Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, 18-31 called Obedience and Worship. This is a very challenging text, as you will see in a moment, and I'm going to ask if you're physically able to stand, go ahead and stand for the reading of God's Word. Exodus chapter 4, second book of your Bible, beginning in verse 18. Then Moses departed, Exodus 4, 18, and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt And see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons, mounted them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. So Moses also took the staff of God in his hand, 21. And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel, my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me, but you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Now it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he, that is God, let him alone. At that time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now the Lord said to Aaron, go meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him at the mountain of God And he kissed him, 28. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs in the sight of the people. And so the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel... And that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshiped. You may be seated. Father, thank you for this amazing text. It is uh, certainly there are parts of it that are very challenging and even confusing. But there is a, a main message here that you want us to hear, and it is about obedience and worship, which really are almost synonymous. The two go together. We can't say we worship God without being obedient. And you're going to teach Moses and, I pray, us a great lesson here about the cutting away of the flesh and how can we represent God if we ourselves are not submitted to his word. And Lord, this is very personal for all of us because all of us struggle with the flesh. Paul painted the picture in Romans 7 that sometimes the things that we want to do, we don't do. The things that we hate, we find ourselves doing how we need a Savior, and how we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Father. And I pray that you would give us understanding and you would help us to be good soil 
for the seed of the word of God that it would grow a crop in our lives, 30, 60, 100 fold unto your glory. I pray that you would speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Then Moses departed 18 and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law. He has departed from the burning bush and he said to him, please let me go. Perhaps a little uh, practice for the Exodus. Let me go. Let my people go. That I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to him, to Moses, go in peace. In this culture, it was expected that you would address your elders and you would ask for permission to leave. Moses was the only male that we know of in this family. He had, Jethro had seven daughters. So remember when they first met Moses at the well and he delivered them from the other shepherds and they came home and told dad the story. Dad was like, why did you not invite him to dinner? We need some men around here, right? So Moses ended up marrying his daughter, Zipporah, and we have the story of Moses, you know, being in Midian. A child is born to them named Gershom. But now Moses has been called by God. And he's gotten his marching orders and he's made his excuses. I think five different excuses that God has certainly overcome. Moses is getting ready to go and he goes to his father-in-law and he asks for permission, which is a cultural example of respect that I think we need to gain back in our culture. Amen. And uh, I think that Moses would have gone either way, but this was a way to defer to the elder in the home or in the community. And Moses says he wants to go and check to see if his brethren are still alive, which is interesting. Please let me go that I may return to my brethren. Now remember, Moses is around 80 years old at this point, so he doesn't really know who's still alive. And this is just an interesting thought. You know, there's no communication like we have in this day where we could know, you know, we could do uh, FaceTime and see, you know, how everybody's going and get constant updates, how everybody's doing. No, we can't do that. So Moses, I think, is being accurate here, but he's left out quite a bit as well, right? He's left out the experience at the burning bush, the marching orders of God. Is it because he has some doubt as to whether Jethro will believe the story? I don't know. But he says, I want to go and check on their welfare. And gratefully and thankfully, on the other side of this, Jethro says to him, go in peace or go with my blessing, which is a wonderful thing to pay respect to an elder and then have that elder say, go and be blessed. And I think it's important that even in our modern age where, you know, this may be the furthest thing from your mind, if you're going to court a young woman, guys, Go talk to her dad. And dads, be polishing your gun when he arrives. I think this is great advice, don't you guys? You know, get him in a half Nelson and say, yeah, anyway. Now the Lord said to Moses, 19, in Midian, so he's still back where he had been sojourning, go back, the A single Hebrew word is shuv. It's actually the word for repent often in the Bible. But here it has a positive return to Egypt for all the men. And this means more than the Pharaoh were trying to destroy Moses who were seeking your life are dead. Now the the Pharaoh had uh, sought to kill Moses, but he has died. You can reference uh, Exodus 2, 
23, where it records his death. So a new Pharaoh is now reigning. But it says all the men. So there was certainly some sort of uh, contract on Moses' life when he fled from Egypt. But that's gone now. And I think all of the men that were seeking to kill Moses have been dealt with by God or have died of, of natural causes. And this is probably just divine reassurance to calm Moses' fear. Because Moses is going back to Egypt knowing what? If he showed his face in town, the first thing that he might have to deal with is people trying to kill him. Can you imagine? That's an extra burden that he didn't need. And so God raises up leaders and he puts them down. This is Psalm 75, 4 through 7. I said to the boastful, do not boast. To the wicked, do not lift up the horn. Do not lift up your horn on high. Do not speak with insolent pride. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. Listen. But God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. Psalm 75, 4 through 7. You know, leaders may think that they're forever, but they're not. All leadership on this planet, all human leadership is temporal at best. Leaders come and leaders go. Nations rise and nations fall. And so there's room for humility in that. For us to understand that whatever we have, if we have a place of privilege, we are to honor that place because it's been given to us by God. We're not to get puffed up with pride. Perhaps the death of these particular leaders was a sign that the exodus had began or begun. The death of Pharaoh, quoting, opens the door for Moses to leave Midian and return to Egypt, just as the death of Herod opens the door for Jesus to leave Egypt and return to Palestine or Israel. Jesus is leaving Egypt to deliver us from sin and death. Moses is returning to Egypt to deliver the people from Pharaoh and slavery. And so this is a couple interesting connections. Matthew 2.15 says, and, what, and was there until the death of Herod, that is, Joseph took uh, G- Jesus to Egypt until the death of Herod who was trying to kill him that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled from Hosea 11.1, out of Egypt did I call my son. And so you might remember that when Jesus was just a little baby, there was an edict in Bethlehem that Herod wanted to kill all the male babies two years old and under. And so Joseph is warned in a dream and he flees to Egypt to the south of Israel to protect Jesus from that edict. Once Herod was dead, Jesus returned to the land of Israel. And Jesus is retracing the fallen footsteps of Israel. Jesus came out of Egypt into the promised land, dealt with 40 days of temptation by the devil. They sojourned 40 years in the wilderness. And Jesus' life is the new exodus. He is retracing the fallen footsteps of Israel, and where they failed, he succeeds. Where they gave into temptation by Satan, he is able to take a stand and die on behalf of not only that nation, but for that matter, all the people of the world. And so uh, the ladies are studying the Gospel of Mark right now in their Bible study, and that's a good thing to be thinking about, is that Jesus is retracing the fallen footsteps of Israel. He is 
the perfect Israel, if you will. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called Trick or Treat, The Origins of Halloween. But we also shouldn't look sideways at Christians who take their kids to Christian alternative ho- uh, celebrations or even go door-to-door in a Superman costume. We need to chill out. They're not practicing the ancient festival of Druidism, and this is Awen. They're dressed as Superman getting candy, okay? The holiday has become largely secular. We all know that. Most Americans have no clue of anything I told you this morning. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. He is the perfect Israel, if you will. So Moses, 20, took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey. Kind of sounds reminiscent of Joseph and Mary. And he returned to the land of Egypt... Moses also took the staff or the rod of God in his hand. That staff, God would do miracles through it. And uh, there are a couple of children that Moses and Zipporah have. Gershom is the firstborn. You can reference Exodus 2.22. The secondborn will be Eleazar, whose name means God is my help. And that's very fitting for the names of the children. And then the Lord said to Moses 21, when you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. That could include all of the plagues as well. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Now Moses is told, and uh, he was told earlier in Exodus 3 that the Pharaoh will refuse to let you go. And now he's told once again, This is going to be a battle. It's not going to be easy. He's not going to let you go. And in fact, I'm going to be involved in the hardening of his heart. Now, if you're Moses listening to this, you have to be thinking to yourself, then why do you want me to go, Lord? Why do you want me to go if you're going to harden his heart? Isaiah gets the call in Isaiah 6, and he says, Lord, how long do you want me to speak until basically cities are desolate? You're going to keep on speaking, but they're not going to listen to you. Can you imagine getting a ministry like that right out of the gate? (laughs) Lord, what's my ministry going to be like? Well, you're going to go into churches and you're going to have a singular message. Here's what it will be. You're going to say, today, my sermon is about, I'm going to preach and you're not going to listen. So open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter six. You go into the next church, I'm going to preach and you're not going to listen. Some of us think we have it hard, you know, trying to reach coworkers and family members, right? Can you imagine having a ministry like that? How about a ministry like Noah? You preach for 120 years, and the only people that get saved are your family. And there's a few of them that you didn't want saved and on the boat, you know? No, I'm just kidding. Now, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, uh, if you examine the different scriptures on it, it does seem to indicate that sometimes he hardened his own heart, and then God hardened his heart. And this is, there's some commentary on this in Romans chapter 9. 
Some of it is a bit of a mystery, but we know God was involved in confirming the stubbornness of Pharaoh, and God will even say of his own people, they are a stubborn people. Their hearts are hard. So this is nothing unique even to the Pharaoh. And you shall say to the Pharaoh, 22, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the ancient world, the firstborn was the one that had preeminence and had the bulk of the inheritance from the father and would actually represent the father. And later, we're going to learn in the book of Exodus that the firstborn, actually, Exodus 13, belongs to God. And you had to pay a redemption price for your firstborn to buy them back, that's what redemption means, in order for you to raise them. God said, everyone from the womb, the firstborn from the womb, is mine. Now, in the sense of the the word or the phrase firstborn, we got to remember, firstborn ultimately speaks of preeminence, not the order of birth. Sometimes we have interacted with our Jehovah's Witness friends, And they will say, like from Colossians 1, since it says that Jesus is the firstborn, that means that he was created, right? Wrong. What it really means is that Jesus has the preeminent place, that he is first in rank, not that he was created. You can read Colossians 1, just read up 15 through 18, and you'll see clearly that he's the creator. Israel was not the first nation that was born. Abraham was not the first man that was born. When you get to Isaac and Jacob, Isaac is not the firstborn, Ishmael is. Jacob is not the firstborn, who is? Esau. So God is talking about rank, not birth order. And in the sense that Israel is God's firstborn, it means that God chose Israel with his special love. And we have been chosen by God for sonship. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Amen? Amen? God decided to give us his love. Not that we merited it, not that Israel was more numerous than other people or better than other people, but God decided to put his love on that people. But that choice was also that they would become a light to the nations. So you have been chosen to become a light to your friends and your family. You've been called into the kingdom to be a light, to be a city on a hill. More could be said, but the firstborn in the ancient world was one specially favored for the inheritance, and God is about to give Israel the promised land, the one who would represent the father in many ways as he came to maturity. I mentioned the buyback in Exodus 13. We'll study that later on. And here's the the message you are to say, so I said to you, this is being stated in the past tense as, as though it's happened, but God is teaching Moses what to say. Let my son go, that he may serve me. If you have an NIV, that he may worship me. But you have refused. ESV says, if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And so this is what really happened in uh, Egypt. They began to throw the Hebrew babies into the Nile. And they turned the Nile red with blood. And God was going to get a recompense. He was going to pay them back. And the final plague of the Exodus is the death of the firstborn of Egypt. And the way that you avoid that death is to have the blood 
of the Lamb painted on your dwelling, which we'll get into it in Exodus chapter 12. You've been listening to Obedience and Worship, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, 18 through 31. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. You can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids, like our annual Harvest Festival coming later this month. If you live outside of Southern California, you can still benefit from the Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Sometimes people ask the question, why did God decide to love the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, and why is he choosing me? Well, you know, um, when we look at the history of Israel, there's specific verses that say that God did not choose Israel because they were more numerous than any people or stronger. In fact, they were the least. And God has a tendency, I'll say it this way, to choose the least of these, to choose the unsuspected person or family to use mightily. You might ask, well, why does he do that? Well, because he shows his power off best in weak vessels. (laughs) And so you may be thinking, well, why did he choose me? Well, maybe because you were the weakest. I don't know. doesn't mean that everybody that he chooses is weak. The Apostle Paul certainly wasn't weak. Uh, the, uh, Peter and James and John weren't weak men, but they were, they were unsuspected men. They weren't, you know, from the highest echelons of academia of the day, etc. So he chose you because he decided to, he chose you because he loved you. He chose you because he wanted to use you. That's good enough for me. I pray it's good enough for you. Hey, uh, we have a Wednesday night coming up here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. Each Wednesday night happens at 7 p.m. We are actually wrapping up the book of Exodus on Wednesday nights. What you're hearing on the radio are the, some of the earlier messages we did. And we're actually wrapping it up, and we do a verse-by-verse Bible study on Wednesday nights. We do worship. It's usually acoustic, a little bit more kind of a laid-back atmosphere. We have a wonderful time of fellowship after this midweek service. And it's happening at Living Truth on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Hey, by the way, there's a simultaneous uh, youth group, a great youth team, a great youth leader, pastor. His name is Pastor Matthew. He does a great job. Hey, Wednesday nights, the kids have something as well. If you have younger ones, the whole family can come out on Wednesday nights. And I would encourage you to do so. God's doing some special things here, and I would love for you to join us. Hey, information and directions are available to you at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Remember, also, you can always call us if you want to learn more at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Hey, if you're not within driving distance of the Inland Empire or out of the state, out of our area, you can always check out the midweek service on our YouTube channel, just search for Living Truth Christian Fellowship on YouTube. You'll get you'll get us there, or you can go to the website and connect to our YouTube that way. So hopefully you can join us one way or the other. 
I do want to say just for a moment here, if you're being a lazy Christian, though, and live streaming is just because you don't want to drive or go anywhere, you may want to rethink that strategy. Here's why. You need fellowship. The Lord called us to assemble, not just to watch a screen. Now, if there's no other option available to you, look, we get it and, you know, be blessed. But if there are is the ability to be with God's people. Don't ignore that. I'm talking to a lot of people and, you know, people have just kind of admitted that they've gotten lazy. That doesn't bode well, brethren, especially for the times we're in, but let alone how can we be the body? How can we love one another, pray for one another, lay hands on the sick, encourage one another? The early church used to give each other a kiss of love or a holy hug, we might say. How are you going to do any of that? Are you going to be a blessing to anybody if you're just watching a screen? And again, I will reiterate, if you can't get somewhere, you're shut in, then be blessed. But this is for those of you who are able-bodied and you just know you've gotten lazy and it's time to get up and get yourself back in the body. You know who you are. Check it out. Get information. Walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And don't forget, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And thank you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 4, 18-31, called obedience and worship. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.